If you have your Bibles open, by the way, Romans 12, verse 13. And while you're turning there, you know, I'm just reminded, uh, I put it in the email, but you were born specifically in this time. Like the God that created the universe, who, who knew you, weaved you together in your mother's womb before you were born. Had you born in this time, your days are numbered. He knows how many days you're going to be here. That means that you're still here because he has a purpose for you. It means that if you were born in this time, you were born for this time. And when I think about that as a church family, God's got stuff for us uh, to do. Like, I think that um, as I was praying about this, Romans 12, verse 13, share it with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. He was writing that to a church who was in uh, struggling. They were literally in poverty. The, the, the church in Rome lived, uh, Roman historians, they were so poor that the Roman historians like said, oh, these guys were really poor. And they were isolated, they were alone. And so Paul is actually writing to that church and saying, hey, uh, you, you guys gotta be patient in affliction, those things we've been talking about, right? Faithful in prayer, joyful in hope. And then he goes on to say to that church, in the uncertainty and the isolation, to share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. That's not just a message that's relevant for them. It's a message relevant for our friends in Africa, in Asia, and right here in the United States. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. By the way, one of them is about excess. Like, Let me phrase that. When you're looking at each of these individually, you can, someone who has excess can participate in this. So if you have extra, you're going to give of it. But even if you don't have extra, then it's about access as well. It's excess you can give, and even if you don't have to give, it's about access. And even as I think about that phrase, even, even if you don't have to give, I mean, uh, Becca's with us this morning, and James, you, and Shannon, you guys have all been with us to Haiti. When we go to somebody's house and visit them there, like they don't have much. But man, they'll throw, uh, they'll throw some chairs out, they'll put coffee on, and they'll, they'll, they'll welcome you into their home. And they're not, by the way, out there sweeping, making sure, oh, the house is a mess, I gotta get you in. You know, it's like, they just are welcoming you in. So for them, they understand the access, and it almost seems like the more access you have, the less access you give. Because I can build this big wall in this big house, and so I can have access to me as long as I'm in the lawn, and even then it's kind of annoying. Or I can realize, oh no, this is part of the gospel in me that I'm supposed to have that. And so it's one of the reasons why James and Becca have joined us this morning is we want to talk about what that is going to look like in our church family. Uh, as I think to the future of where we are, we're all tired right now. Uh, we're alone and we're isolated and some of us are maybe beat down. And I, literally, I believe that it's time for us to rise up and say, okay, we need to shake the dust off. We need to shake off the anxiety. We're waiting for someone to come and when people even say, hey, where was God in this situation? Maybe the best question is where is the church in this situation? And so what I wanna share with us today is where I think the church is gonna be where we are right now. We're already doing a lot of this intuitively, but where I think the Lord is calling us to as a church for this time, uh, this is a, a marathon, it is not a sprint. So share with the Lord's people who are in need. That, that's the verse, uh, <laughs> First part of the verse, verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And if, if you want to, actually, even if you don't want to, flip over to Acts 
chapter 2. It's literally right next door to the left of, of Romans. But Acts chapter 2. And while you're doing that, what I want you to see there is a word that Paul uses in this passage is a word that Luke uses. So what he's describing at the church in Rome didn't start in Rome. It actually started when the church was just a brand new baby. So when he says, give to those who are in need, to the Lord's people who are in need, he's talking specifically about a church. And he uses a word uh, called koinonia. Koinonio in Romans 12, because it's a verb. You are going to fellowship with them. And in Acts 2, uh, Becca said that's actually uh, something you guys have been studying this week. With all the ladies, yeah. just a study you're done at the house. Oh. So the Lord is already speaking in some of us that that, that word fellowship it says in verse uh, 42, Acts 2.42, if you've been around conduit for any length of time, you know this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And that word fellowship is the exact same word. It's the word koinonia. Those Jewish believers were doing that exactly because it goes on to say they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. But it wasn't just about a donation. It was about, it was not less than a donation, but it's about more than a donation because that word fellowship, it actually speaks of like this mutual experience of even suffering. First Peter 4.12, it says that, you know, we fellowship in the, the suffering of Christ, that we join him in that. Uh, Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the rings. That's Tolkien using that language of, of fellowship. There, um, there was a point where uh, Lafleur was here from Haiti, and some of you remember this when we, uh, he, when he refers to the relations between a husband and a wife, he calls it fellowship, and then he uses Haitian's uh, uh, quote points, and, which forever ruined the fellowship hall for us, which is why we now call it the family room. But as, as hilarious as it was, we were like, oh, but that's, that's actually closer to the definition than what maybe a modern definition would be because it's this intimacy of fellowship. To, to put it differently, it's not just a donation, it's discipleship. Like we're in this trench together. In Haiti, we saw that happen years ago with Over Nelson, whose family was part of our church there. Uh, we were giving to the Lord's people who were in need. We didn't just make a donation. We got in deep with them. And Over at one point was talking about how uh, we were taking better care of his kids than, than he was. They were part of the Lord's people. Like, and it was, when I say it's not just a donation, that it's about discipleship, that over the years, as Over's children were growing, Over eventually gave his life to Christ, burned all of his stuff, tore down his voodoo temple, gave his life to Christ. Uh, the church I grew up in as a kid, um, we were so poor. I and mean, you know, I've said that before, but we weren't anybody's prize uh, for a church. Like we weren't, nobody was sending a postcard to our address uh, because we had a money we could give as tithe. Like we were just, we didn't have anything. But that little church, they did help us financially, but they also didn't leave us. They stayed with us. They joined us in that fellowship. And that uh, donation, but that discipleship is literally why we're sitting here today. Uh, because that little church, which is still a little church, and John, if you're watching, or Patsy up in Pennsylvania, like you guys invested in me in a way that was not just about the money, but about my spiritual, the emotional, the, the discipleship of it. And we're seeing that right now in our small groups already. Like, I want to commend you. This isn't like, oh, you guys, if you're not, you're not doing this, we want to hammer you. Our church is already doing this in so many ways. James, you guys have seen that right now, like with some of the small groups that are uh, 
that are already happening, the, the groups, the things that are happening? Like, what's that looking like in our small groups? Well, I've been very, very uh, encouraged by some of the things that our small groups have been doing. Um, there was a, a, there's a group that has uh, families that have three uh, seniors in them. And when they finally made the announcement that uh, school was going to be canceled, you know, for the rest of the year, a um, bunch of people in the group got together and just sort of did a parade and did a big poster for each of those seniors really just cool. to let them know that they were seen, which, you know, small groups gave tends to be. Gave them cookies and just decorated the outside of their house. It's really creative. Huh. Yeah, and it was, it was really meaningful because I know that a lot of times we think of small groups as just being for the adults, but understanding that, huh. you know, in small groups, it's, it's the whole family. It's about getting, you know, kids involved and letting them know that they're seen. And then we've had a couple other groups reach out to Place of Hope and uh, give, uh, you know, a meal or bring down treats yeah. and different, like, salt scrubs. And then we, we, we had a, a group, you know, uh, who well, a couple just had a baby. And so they're figuring out how to provide meals, uh, you know, in this time. And and you know, keeping proper social distancing, and then you know, we've just the groups have really stepped up and have cared for one another in just beautiful ways. It's been super encouraging. Yeah, you know, the th in our modern context, and maybe some of this is changing because of what's happening in our culture. But um, you don't need a small group until you need a small group, right? And so, I know that you might be watching this morning, and you. You don't have that. Maybe you were just in between a church or you've just come to the Lord and you don't, you're not really connected that way yet. I would encourage you, if you don't do anything else today, to email james at conduitchurch.com uh, and just let him know that. Because I think as we move forward into this next season, it's my guess that they're not going to let us all come back together as one big group. So great, we'll just come back together as a bunch of small groups together, a bunch of house churches together. And so just, we want to be ahead of that, not behind that. So email James. And then Becca, I know that you're investing just in, and you have for years, but the, the ladies in our church. So it's not like a small group, but it's this other subgroup of what's happening specifically. Like what's that looking like right now? Well, it's, it's exciting to see these women just needing each other and having that space for them. I'm thankful that Conduit has been a place where we've been able to um, have spaces. We have a, a Conduit Ladies Facebook page. If you're not on that, sorry, if you're not on that, um, get on that. It's just Conduit Ladies. We can get you into that. But women are continually sharing prayer requests together. Um, whatever their needs are, they're doing that as well. Uh, we're doing a virtual coffee. We've been doing, we had one a couple weeks ago. We're going to have one this Tuesday night where we're just getting on a Zoom call and seeing each other and praying for one another and encouraging one another. We're memorizing scripture together. Um, there's just a lot of spaces for that. But it, it's encouraging to see them recognizing their needs, but then also verbalizing them and having sharing their prayer requests with one another. So we're there for that. That's awesome. And that's, I guess what I'm driving at is that as a church family, like this is what it was meant to be. Like this is God's safety net for us. We all play, like when you see a net, there's a little knot here and a little knot there, but you put enough knots together and you can really create a, a big safety net together. And so we're, we've seen that with our, our groups and it has been super organic, like which is, I just love, the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait for permission for me to listen to the Holy Spirit. We had a, a young guy bring a check by the church this week. Um, he sold some property and decided he wanted to use some of the proceeds. And it's, not, it's just like a guy like me. It's not like a rich guy at all. He just, I want to use this to help people who are in need. And so he drops off a check prompted by the Holy Spirit. That's Book of Acts stuff right there. Like that's 
the Holy Spirit, they had all things in common and they were giving to each other. It wasn't some communist thing, some socialist thing. Because by the way, whenever someone tries to create this in a false environment, it always ends poorly. Netflix is full of documentaries about people that thought, well, we'll just start one of these out in the woods and we'll bury weapons and next thing you know, he's marrying your wife. So don't do that. But the Holy Spirit leading this this way, beautiful things happen. People are just giving and we're happening. I mean, Jim was telling me this morning, God's put it on his heart to just Venmo some people and to in our church family, that's what's happening. We want to see and hear from you. Uh, so again, email James if you're not a part of a group right now and you want to be a part of it with the ladies. Or, But I would also say to you this, you might be watching this and you're somebody who is in need. So you don't have any excess at all. In fact, you've got a, a negative. We want to love you as well. And the only way I know to do that, to tell you right now, is if you would go uh, to, if you've got email access, just email David at conduitchurch.com. Uh, that's David Shindell. He's a, uh, one of our pastors here and handles this kind of thing. We have been preparing a way that we know that we can help you. So if, you are, if you're that person, you feel like, I don't have any excess, and by the way, my rent is coming due, I don't have any food in the fridge, please, if you're part of the Conduit Church family, let us know that. It might be brand new to you. You might not have ever had to have this happen before. Reach out for help because we want to know, we want you to know, we want everybody to, that we're going to circle the wagons of our church. And you might be somebody, which we've talked to a lot, you've got excess right now. People are asking, how can we help? I want to help this, so help. If you go to conduitchurch.com and you donate there, we are building this little war chest of, uh, of, of finances where we can then help people with. So if the Lord doesn't have somebody specifically on your heart, Doing it there means that we can all do it together. Share with the Lord's people in need. It's not just a donation, it's discipleship. We called it our groups deeper groups. Who knew that that was exactly what we're, it's deeper. We're going deeper in it with him and deeper with each other. And again, I don't know how this is going to play out over the next year. If I were to guess, we're not going to have big gatherings every Sunday or we might have... But having, I mean, how cool of a win would it be where our small groups have more people attending than a Sunday morning? I would be totally thrilled with that because it's about the Lord's people helping the Lord's people. Now, that said, he also says practice hospitality, which sounds like the same thing. And as I was praying and looking at it this week, uh, and, and by the way, uh, Hebrews 13, if you want to flip over there with me. Uh, there's some really, I've, I've got a really cool picture about what I think the Lord means by this, but practice hospitality. That word hospitality specifically talks about people who are strangers, immigrants, refugees, people you don't know, people who are not in your church, but outside of your church. Paul, when he wrote these words to the church at Rome, there was a family in that church uh, whose parents, the husband and wife, were Aquila and Priscilla, right? Great rhyming names. And he first met them when he went to a city called Corinth. And they were in Corinth only because of the fact that they were uh, kicked out of Rome. In AD 41, Claudius expelled all of the Jews from Rome. And so they ended up as refugees and immigrants in the city of Corinth. Now, here's people who didn't have anything, and Paul comes to Corinth, and they welcomed him into their home. And in their home, Paul spends 18 months. And by the way, we have a book called 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians 
because a church was born, because an immigrant practiced hospitality to someone they didn't know and welcomed them in. They would later be in Ephesus and Aquila and Priscilla again opened their home and that's where the church of Ephesus met. But by this time, they're back in Rome. And when, so what I'm saying that to say that when Paul says practice hospitality, okay, welcoming in the stranger, the foreigner, the immigrant, that wasn't like conceptual to him. It was literal. He did it. He experienced it. And that early church that we just read about, when it talks about that all those people were there and they had all things in common, uh, Luke does a, uh, he specifically makes sure we know that on the day of Pentecost, when those people had come to be saved, it says uh, there were people from Median, Elam, Mesopotamia, Rome, uh, I can't even say that word, Phrygia, uh, parts of Libya, Cyrene. Remember Simon the Cyrene who carried the cross of Christ? This church was full of people who didn't look like them. And when I think about that, that it's not, so the first one about uh, giving to the Lord's people in need, that's God's safety net for our church and this practice hospitality, by the way, that word practice is a word everywhere else it's translated. It says follow after, pursue after, run after. Paul was flipping the script. The Jewish people practicing hospitality was when people came to the city. Like back in those days, if those of you that were with us in Israel, it's a long walk to Jericho, right? So you're talking a day or two. Uh, it wasn't like they could jump in the car or even jump on the donkey. It took days so when you're walking, it's dangerous. Not very many traveled, so they didn't have hotels. And so they would literally bring them into their homes. And that's the idea of hospitality, was waiting for them to come to you. Paul flips it and says, pursue after them. A whole different idea of what it means for hospitality. And in Hebrews, are you there yet? I want to show you something. Uh, this isn't just a really good newsboy song. Hebrews 13, verse 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters, right? Love the church, you're the, the Lord's people. And do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing. I was praying about that all week because it's such a fascinating thought. Is it, does it mean that if you invite somebody in and you're, you're caring for them, that it might have been an angel in disguise? That's, some people say that. But let the Bible interpret the Bible. Think uh, with me. Luke 5, verse 10. Jesus says that the angels rejoice when just one sinner repents and comes to Christ. So, so if someone comes to Christ, the angels rejoice over that. 1 Peter 1.12, talking about the gospel and what the gospel is doing in our lives. It says the angels, I love this, you can write it and go later. 1 Peter 1.12 uh, it's also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Now think back with me to Over Nelson. Over Nelson, his children were in our church. We were helping the Lord's people who were in need. But we didn't reject Over. And when I say we, I mean Restoration Church in Haiti did not reject him, welcomed him in. And at one point, Over finally, after a decade, says, I'm coming to Christ. I'm going to burn my stuff. I'm going to... What does the Bible says that an angel is rejoicing when he repented, that the angels are eagerly watching. Over Nelson coming to Christ as a, a, quote, alien from the church, the angels are rejoicing. We are entertaining angels unaware. Like, they're not binge-watching Netflix. Like, they're binge-watching you working in the kingdom of God here on earth 
And when it goes well, they're like, oh, that's awesome. And so Over comes to Christ, right? And so I'm sure they're binge watching because here's the cliffhanger. Who's Over going to reach now? Which alien is he going to reach out to? Hospitality. They just keep watching. Look, I don't know if that's, that's Darren thinking that's probably what it means or what it could mean, even if I'm wrong. I know that that is true, that the angels are rejoicing. The angels are cheering you on. So whether that's what Hebrews 13.4 is talking about, I, I'm not sure. But it sure feels like it to me that when we're reaching out to those around us, that we are uh, entertaining angels unaware. We're pursuing after them. And we've seen that even in our own church again. You know, Shannon talking about Chris. I mean, they're reaching out to the, to the medical teams. And, and James, one of the things that you've been doing and talking about, Ian Becca, with our small groups is the art of neighboring. Like, how is that playing out right now with our, our church families? I'm seeing it on Facebook. You're getting a better uh, picture than I am, but. Yeah, no, you know, specific um, stories that stand out other than like a, a Deidre Phillips who is yeah, just, story, you know, yeah. yeah, walking her neighborhood and, and doing prayer walks and, and reaching out to people. And I've heard several people have reached out to me and just said they, they're meeting their neighbors for the first time and having an opportunity to get to know them. And as I've said in, you know, several of uh, the videos that we've put out, it's really about taking advantage of this opportunity to plant seed. Um, that this isn't going to happen overnight. These connections and relationships aren't going to be built overnight. But as we continue to practice hospitality, the opportunities that the Lord is going to bring in the future and the harvest that I think that will happen as a result is going to be uh, just mind blowing. And I'm yeah. really excited to see you know as people continue to engage in this. And by the way, if you haven't started. Uh, I still have a few more books to give away, so you can right. reach out to me, and I'd be happy to send you a book. It is a really great read and gives you practical steps for engaging uh, your neighbors and getting to know and, and uh, love on them as Jesus you know, calls us to. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it, though, like God to cause a pandemic to happen to get pe- and during a beautiful time of year where people are outside? I mean, he is literally bringing people outside for us. Wow. Where if we're just walking you know, our, the, the kids were outside or you're walking your dog or whatever, these natural opportunities are coming and God is bringing them to us beautifully. And if you ask him to do it, he will do it. If you ask him as you walk and pray for opportunities, I think that's probably the one thing we've noticed. It's like, okay, Lord, I've got to keep my eyes open because I'm asking you to bring these opportunities and he will. So, yeah. and I'm an extrovert, so there's that part of it too. I get that, but um, even those of you that maybe that's not as natural for you, God is bringing people outside of their doors. Where had it been in December, everybody's inside. So yeah, I yeah. think, huh. yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, the Lord's um, gracious in this, and if you're like feeling any sort of guilt or shame right now because you're an extrovert and that scares me, go ahead and put that down. That's not from the Lord, right? The Lord calls us all to do what he's called us to do. And sometimes it does involve going outside of our comfort zones. In fact, a lot of times it does. But we can't all be doing the neighbor thing, doing the small group thing, doing the missionary thing. Like, What is the Lord calling you to do? And by the way, for some of you right now who are home with your kids, like you're discipling your children, don't discredit or discount that. That's a big investment. And as I was doing all my walking, Realizing that in my neighborhood, uh, like, you know, especially back in the day, because we do it in Haiti a lot too, but without public transportation, you don't really go more than three or four miles from your home in that culture. And so this is an interesting time because we're actually being forced into a culture that's saying, just stay in your, in your neighborhood, stay in your home. 
So maybe God has something for you in your neighborhood and in your home. I know I've been praying about that. My neighbors are not my projects. They are people that Jesus loves and wants to pursue. Uh, in Bible college, used to teach us that, you know, being a, an evangelist is like being a salesperson. You got to overcome the objections and close the deal. <sighs> Jesus said it's like being a farmer. You're just sowing seeds and it's up to, you know, you have no control over the ground it falls in. Your job is just to keep sowing the seeds and seeds of love, seeds of the gospel. That's enough in that. And I would add to that this, as a church, some of us are at a place where we're like, okay, it's time to go. Like it's go time. And as I was praying and thinking, okay, who are we waiting for permission from to go and serve the people? We've got people in our community right now that are hurting and so as we were praying about that, we thought, okay, we've got David Christopher, our, our missions pastor, who doesn't, he can't get out of the country right now because we get, can't get on a plane, but we sure can take that mission right to our community. So we're going to put our foot in the water this week. We're going to put our toe in the water, safe and sensible. So if you're starting to freak, just safe and sensible. We're saying if you can go to the gas station and be safe and sensible, if you can go to Costco and be safe and sensible, then we could surely help some Muslims on Nolansville Road in a safe and sensible way. And here's what that's going to look like. Uh, as soon as this service is over, uh, we're going to post some sign-up links in our private Facebook group. Um, first mission, laundromat. Like, what are you going to do at a laundromat, right? Someone who has grown up in, in poverty, I know that, especially if you're single even, you're in college, you got to go to the laundromat. So if you're going to the laundromat, you're sort of pre-qualifying. That's somebody that probably has some need. We're going to have a handful of people at the laundromat. We're going to be handing out quarters, handing out laundry soap, and we are going to be praying with whoever will let us pray for them some, from six feet away. And just making sure that if people in those neighborhoods, whether it's on Nolansville Road, in Little Kurdistan, or whether it's in Columbia, Tennessee, we're going to be there to love and to give and to serve with no strings attached. We're going to go after hospitality. We're going to have face masks for you. We're going to do gloves, all the stuff. Absolutely. Can I guarantee you're going to be safe? Huh. I can't guarantee you're going to be safe in Haiti or in Colombia. I can guarantee there's no better place to live dangerously than safely in the hands of Jesus. After that, uh, a mission we're going to do is there's low-income housing. Um, if you can afford to have groceries shipped to you, that's awesome. There's a great little industry that's forming out of that. But if, you're, uh, if you've got no income and if you don't have, like people that I know in those places, they don't even know how to use their phone, let alone get something shipped. So we're going to have um, and, and one project. We're going to put little notes under the door. Or somehow we're going to get them to give us their order of groceries, 50 to $60 worth of groceries. And we're going to send conduit teams to buy their groceries and then just leave them out front. And we're going to have you write a little note from Jesus to them. Whatever the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart, they can't repay you. But that's practicing hospitality to, to strangers. And we're going to entertain some angels unaware. And then we've got an idea even with like Sonic where we're just going to do like a happy hour for our healthcare workers. Um, make sure they know ahead of time. We're going to have people manning the stations where they'll just slide the conduit card and buy you know, happy hour drinks when they're switching over uh, services at the medical center. Um, and by the way, God's going to give us more ideas. But in this next week, this is what we're about to unlaunch, uh, unlaunch, unleash on our community is a, 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 is a bunch of hope. And that's what we want you to be a part of. And I want to ask you then, we're gonna, the last point that I have for this is how are we going to do this and not burn ourselves out? Because some of you, what you just heard, you got super excited. And some of you are like, oh, Lord, one more thing. I can't, 
I want to give you some peace before you go. Because practicing hospitality, sharing the Lord with the Lord's people who are in need, can only be done if you're using it, uh, can be done healthy when it's out of the gospel itself. The power to be hospitable comes from the gospel. In, in, uh, and you don't have to, we don't have time to turn there, but you know, in, in the book of Luke, when uh, it talks about the, uh, the Good Samaritan, right? That, that story that we all know so very well. There's a man going on the road. He's coming from uh, Jericho or going to Jericho, and he is beaten and he is robbed. And along comes a, a, a priest, along comes a, a, a Levitical worship guy, and, and they keep walking by him. And then comes a Samaritan. You know, like we know the story. And the Samaritan picks him up. He, he bandaged him. He poured in the oil and the wine, and he puts him on his donkey and takes him to an inn and says, I'll pay for it all. I'm going to come back and get him. Uh, and I'm going to pay for that too, any other extra costs. And over the years, that story is normally told as, are you going to be the priest that's too busy? Are you the, the, the worship leader who can't be bothered with? Or are you the Samaritan? And there's a little bit of shame with that of like, well, I, I don't want to be this. I want to be that. But there's actually a fourth character in that story that you could be. And remember what we say about parables. Knowing who you are in the parable is a game changer. What if you and I are not either of those three, but we are the man bleeding and dying who has been robbed on the Jericho road? And that the Samaritan is a picture of Jesus. Go back through the story with me. Here comes this guy. He's an alien. He's not from here. He puts this guy on his donkey, right? Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem. He pours in oil and wine, right? You start to see this. I'm going to pay for all of his stuff. And if he needs anything more, that's paid for too. And I'm coming back for him. That's the gospel. You and I doing this kind of work, we do it not out of our unhealth. Because that's a dangerous thing. By the way, when you're giving out of your knee, like Shannon has shared and James and Becca, like, there's this, that is a good thing, by the way. Uh, Lafleur in Haiti has told me that when they take up offerings there, it used to make me really uncomfortable. But he shared that, no, that giving is their way out of the poverty mindset. Giving is their way out. True, the world I grew up in, we never gave, so you become entitled in that role. So there is a thing about giving that is good and that is healthy, even when you don't think you have anything to give. What I'm talking about is if you have some wound in your heart that you don't even know about, Right? Uh, there's a Wall Street Journal article uh, on Friday that was talking about why you should help and why it's good for you. And actually, one of the psychologists interviewed in that says that uh, helping others can, quote, distract us from our own stress, increase our sense of meaning and purpose. 100% true. Distracting you, though, is like taking an Advil. That does take care of the headache, but Jesus doesn't want to just take care of the headache. He wants to heal it, right? So, while this serving on the surface can uh, distract you and can be like an Advil for pain, uh, if you've ever been around anybody, if you struggle with addiction, you know that I do that. It made me feel better. I got that little dopamine hit, so I'll do it again, get a little dopamine hit, and it has a diminishing return. And you keep doing it more, and then eventually it doesn't do it anymore. That, if you want to look at what ministry burnout is, that's what it is is if I was doing this to heal a wound, to numb a pain that Jesus wants to heal in me. And 
the gospel, when I go back to what the power of the gospel is and take that inside of me, that Jesus found me on the side of the road. He poured in oil and wine in me on the side of the road. He took me to the inn. He's taken care of me in that. And then he says, go and do likewise. He didn't kick the guy up off the road, broken and bleeding, and said, now go do this. He, he let him be healed first. He healed him first. And the gospel itself, <laughs> Jesus, in a city that he should have been welcomed into, was thrown outside of the city, right? The, the ultimate gospel, they should have been hospitable to him, and no, they're throwing him out of the city that a, that a refugee should have been welcomed into. He's now walking on a road away from a city where he was rejected, and who carries his cross? Simon of Cyrene, an immigrant from North Africa. And on the cross where he should have been welcomed into the gates of heaven, the gates of heaven were shut. The, the father that was supposed to welcome him in turned his back on him. The ultimate act of cosmic loneliness and cast away. And he experienced what we should have experienced for us, so now that the gates of heaven are wide open to us. Like the gospel is just that. Like the, the idea of the Jews when they were told to be hospitable because God said in Exodus, because you guys were aliens, because you guys were refugees. Now you go be kind and welcoming to strangers. You take care of each other with it. And the gospel is that. He's taking care of you. He's welcoming in you. And out of that, when, I, when that owns me, and I'm like, oh, that's from that, of course I'm going to reach out to others around me. Of course I want to go practice hospitality, not to wait, but to run to. Of course we're going to take care of each other in this family of God together. That's the power of the gospel. And as we move into this next season of who we are, of what God has called us to do and to be in this time. I pray, and we're going to pray for you right now, actually, that you, uh, that you, you receive the oil and the wine that Jesus wants to pour into you. The wine, speaking of his broken body, his, his blood that was shed, the oil, which speaks of the Holy Spirit, which is now inside of you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Um, if you've got communion elements in front of you, my prayer uh, for you, uh, while we are praying, would you take your communion element and, and receive the, the wine inside of you, so to speak. Receive the oil inside of you. Uh, we don't have Facebook requests today, but we're just going to pray for those of you that need prayer. And I don't know, uh, Becca, would you mind praying? And then Shannon, if, as the Lord leads, and James, I guess, if the Lord leads you. And then while they're praying... You have a moment with the Lord with that communion element in front of you. We don't have fancy music today, but I bet they don't at the marriage supper of the Lamb either. So let's take this moment to be devoted not only to fellowship, but devoted to, to prayer. Father, we thank you so much for just this time and that we can pause and truly have a, a holy moment with opening your word and receiving what you have for us. Lord, this opportunity as we think about what you've done on the cross. And we thank you for Jesus and that he died and he shed his blood and he broke his body for us. And now in 
your brokenness for us. We have healing, and we thank you for that. And with that, we can now love well and, and give out of that place of where you have healed us and have mended us. We thank you. Thank you so much for Jesus. Lord, I'm just so thankful that you see us where we are, Lord, that you see us in our brokenness, you see us in our need, Lord. And just, I know that there's so many, Lord, that, that feel unseen right now and feel isolated, Lord. And I just, like I was hearing again this morning, Lord, that you are the God who sees me, Lord. And I know that you see each of us, Lord. And I just pray that, um, Lord, we could quiet, quiet our minds, Lord, and just receive from you and to not only see what's before us, Lord God, but that we would be sensitive, Lord, to those that you're putting in our paths. Like Becca was saying earlier, like, Lord, that we would pray as we're walking or as we're going, Lord God, that we, we would not shy away from what you're putting in our hearts to do and that we would just act like Chris and, and Megan did. They had an idea and they act on it, Lord. Help us to be confident in hearing your voice and... Um, as Darren was saying, Lord, we may be entertaining angels, Lord God. Lord, that there's nothing insignificant about what you're calling us to do, wherever that is, Lord. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you go before us in all things and that you see each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord. And Father, as we remember uh, your son's body that was broken for us with this... Um, cracker and the blood that was spilt for the forgiveness of sins through this juice. May we remember that on the other side of Christ's death was the resurrection, that we are, we are called to take up our cross not so that we can just die, but so that we could truly live. And that we remember that you came to give us life and life to the full, even in situations like this where we feel like we are being uh, maybe restrained and held back. Uh, but that's where we can open ourselves up uh, to the leading of your spirit. And may we focus on what you have right in front of us, whether it be our children, whether it be our spouses, whether it be our neighbors. Um, and as uh, just echo what Shannon said, that, that we would be sensitive to where your spirit is at work, both inside of us and around us, and that we um, would be proactive and this in the coming weeks and be the church and be the people that um, would sort of um, carefully and wisely uh, run towards uh, the danger, run towards the hurting uh, so that we can um, just proclaim your name and uh, love on people and point them towards you in Jesus name. And Lord, uh, Donna Verboski, her and Richard's 32nd anniversary is on Monday and he's going to be celebrating in heaven and she's still here but I pray Lord that you'd just be with her and her uh, just her heart right now Lord uh, this is a first and those firsts are, are, are no fun and for the others Lord that they have very specific uh, prayer requests today that we didn't see because of our technical thing I know that you see and you know and that you are on their side Lord would you as a church Give us the strength, uh, the peace, supernatural, 
Holy Spirit-inspired courage to move forward into what you have for us, not out of our, uh, to try to heal a wound, but to allow you, Lord, to move through us in that healing. The grace, Lord, of, of that promise, the grace of the Good Samaritan is, is grace that came and did it for us. And out of that, we could go and do likewise. We, Lord, I pray that we're inspired by that today, that your spirit inside of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.